Good evening, everybody. Good morning, depending on wherever you may be. I don't know, Asia, Africa, Europe, North America. Welcome to Atlanta Discourse. I'm still your boy, your host, Ade Balogun. Today we have a topic that is hot like the Christmas cake, man. It's, this is hot, hot, hot. We want to talk about the Ukraine conflict. We're going to look at uh, will the Ukraine conflict lead to the end of uh, Vladimir Putin's rule and hold on Russia. So we have two fantastic guests today. I'm going to introduce them shortly. You know, we have Femi and uh, Pete. Pete Agidigbe, they're with us. Guys, welcome to Atlanta Discourse. Thank you. So as you all know, our listeners at Atlantic Discourse will embrace all facets of humanity to disseminate positive news in a, with a world filled with a lot of bad news. We give a voice to the unheard always. We balance the information equation. We search and discuss the fact wherever it leads. We combine the best of the human race to get the best out of mankind. We serve as a bridge between the developing and the developed world. We embrace business, arts, sports, politics, IT, health, history, and faith-based issues. We never shy away from the fact. So that's what we do here. And like I told you, we have two fantastic guys here. They are two of the best you get around, and they're always on top of their game. A game always. We have Femi Ajibo. is not new to you guys. You know, Femi is the co-host of Audacian Podcast, aka Sabination. Great guy, a web developer, you know, cloud solution architect, great daddy, you know, loves reading, cooking, is a podcaster, as you know, and is very good with the home environment. We also have our other guest, great guy also, Pete Agidigbe. You know, Pete has served in the Army, you know, he was in the Army Aviation Combat Veteran, where he served in numerous tours of duty, especially in Kosovo, the K4, as they called it. And uh, he was also part of the Operation Iraqi Freedom, the OIF, and other NATO-led missions. Upon leaving active duty, he transitioned into several private and public sector roles. He's currently a financial cybersecurity examiner for a federal regulatory agency. He's also an entrepreneur in arts and event curator in the event curator space. He's a CEO of Jollof and Wine and an active commercial real estate guy. He's on top of it. Like I told you, they're both A-game guys, always on top of it. So guys, welcome to Atlanta Discourse. Thank you. Good. So let's cut, let's cut the chase and keep ground running. I'll start with you, Pete. What's the origin of this conflict? Can you just give us a brief, you know? I'll, I'll try to be brief with this, but uh, one thing everybody is probably aware of uh, at this point is Ukraine and Russia have a, a very long, rich history that goes back uh, thousands of years at least a thousand years. Um, the uh, Russians are from the, the Rus people. Um, they are of the Slavic descent and so are the Ukrainians. I mean, there's a little bit of a dispute between Ukrainians and Russians who owned the land first or who came to that land first. But let's just say for sake of time that they have very, very close ties, kind of like Nigeria and Ghana. But imagine if... Um, Ghana was under uh, Nigeria for a very long time, which takes us to the Soviet era, Soviet Union, back in, that started in 1921, um, as a response to a lot of suffering and heartache in, in, uh, in Europe. Uh, fast forward to now, after to, to 1990s, after the Soviet breakup, um, 1990, 1991, after the Cold War, um, the United States, um, by all historical or historian perspectives, 
uh, actually won that Cold War without firing a shot. Now that's disputable because they always fought proxy wars amongst each other. I'm talking about the U.S. and Russia. Um, so after 1990 and the breakdown of the Soviet Union, um, NATO, which has been in existence after World War II, um, helped a lot with restructuring the uh, security framework of Europe. Um, Ukraine has always been the sphere of influence with Russia, even after their breakup. Uh, they continue to be very closely aligned and had very pro-Russian leadership and presidents over time until 2014-ish, where there was an uprising and a uh, new government came in that became more closely aligned with the West. And the West, when I say the West, I'm talking about Western Europe and uh, America, of, of course, and Canada is part of that North Atlantic uh, Treaty Organization as well. Um, after that, there's something that happened in in the in one of the negotiations where Ukraine, after the breakup of um, uh, um, the Soviet Union, had to give up. Ukraine actually found themselves being the third largest nuclear power in the world after that breakup little known fact and they had to give up their weapons their nuclear arsenal back to russia with an assurance that russia would never invade them or would not threaten their security as we well know 2014 with the invasion of crimea and currently now what's going on in donbass region and the full-on um, invasion of Ukraine that's been violated according to the West. Now, Russia also has their own perspective, but uh, I'm sure we'll have time to go over that. But Russia's perspective really is our sphere of influence. We do not want any eastward movement of uh, NATO uh, to threaten our security. Uh, maybe I'll save some time for uh, Femi to to kind of fill in some gaps or, or add to this um, particular I think you, question. I think you de- I think you dealt with that history very well. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. Okay, Femi, let's do it this way. Mm-hmm. Let's. I'm going to. Two of you are going to handle this next question. So, can the conflict be be resolved diplomatically? So let's start with Femi. Do you think it can be resolved diplomatically? Not if. Um, not if Putin is insisting on his uh, his list of demands, the West will not even go for that. I mean, they've tried everything. They did all the talks while um, Putin was already putting. I th- I think the the problem uh, personally, what I think about that is that um, Putin has this. Nobody's really sure what he wants. I think even his demands, he knows that the West will not go for it. So I think I don't think anything can work diplomatically but hey everything can work diplomatically if putin would back down right now i don't think he would because so far the way the war is going looks like he has mr miscalculated a little bit and he won't want to be the loser from this uh at this time so i don't i don't feel that the diplomatical resolution would really really work but hey anything can work if uh, Putin will come to his senses. Uh, Pete, do you think yes. it can be resolved diplomatically? I think so. I have slightly different views from uh, Femi. I, I kind of agree with his um, 
uh, overall assessment currently. But uh, one thing that we, your audience has to be aware of is there isn't, there hasn't been any war fought in human history mm. um, that hasn't had a diplomatic uh, solution to it. Um, so they, they sign agreements, um, they sign treaties from, I'm talking 2,000 years onward. So there is another thing to remind um, the world, um, your listeners, is whenever you fight, whenever two giants fight, even, even when one takes a loss, you always have to reserve the opportunity to graciously uh, have the other one have an off-ramp, right, to, to maintain some kind of dignity. Now, people will have their you know points of view what they want to say what they want to see there have been diplomatic um uh overtures over the years the minsk uh, agreement mm-hmm. uh, number one number two this was after um the invasion of crimea oh, they man. tried to diplomatically uh, resolve it um in belarus which is uh where minsk is the capital of uh, belarus um spearheaded by the french which always has, uh, always have had, um, been a big player in Europe. Um, there's a lot of moving parts right now. I think that another another slight point of disagreement. I think that Putin knows exactly what he wants, and he is pushing NATO. He's testing NATO. He's also trying to restructure the European security framework. Uh, currently, he uh, he's upset. And he views the current eastward move of the West as an existential threat to Russia. I'm sure he has his own views backed by history. However, what he's failing to recognize is we're in a modern day era. Um, A lot of, and another thing the West is really, really afraid of when people say, well, America should just allow NATO. You know, to just say we're not going to move any uh, eastward, we're not going to admit Ukraine, which I don't believe that there was ever a move to really uh, accept Ukraine because NATO does have rules and requirements to membership, rule of law, democracy. Ukraine has not always been the model. Uh, NATO doesn't really try to uh, also bring in members that they know are going to actually actively start a war. Nobody wants a full-on head collision between America and and, and, uh, and Russia because of that pesky issue called uh, nuclear weapons. Um, So I think there is a diplomatic, there there has to be a diplomatic resolution to this. Currently, uh, Putin's demands appear to be uh, totally uh, a non-starter to the West. And also the West demands appear to be a non-starter to, to Putin because okay. he, I feel like all he wants is just to almost to restore Russia back to its old glory. However, he is, I agree with Femi that there's been a huge miscalculation um, coming from every war has its propaganda, right? Media propaganda. Um, people, people of the world now have to decide um, what philosophy what uh, philosophical governing principles do we stand for? Um, uh, we had a conversation, Femi and I had a conversation weeks ago, 
And one of the questions that always came up to us is, what sphere of influence do you want to come under? Yeah. You want democracy, rule of law. Democracy has its faults. Believe me, I did. Um, harder to make decisions. Political parties, as you see in America, sometimes you don't even know if they're Americans or if, they, if they, it's just a united state of one political party. Um, so that's the faults. And, and, the, and the U.S. obviously had um, a double standard when it comes to how it influences or how it wields its influence around the sphere of influence. Um, Russia, the same thing. So this is not a, a, a debate or shouldn't be a debate between uh, who is right morally, etc. A poxy on pox on both houses, right? Um, this is really threatening the stability of the world that has relatively held strong um, since the of the last world war. Yeah. Okay. But okay. I mean, I I'm moderating, but I think I might have to chip in too, you know, because I think yeah, I have to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree completely. It's going to be there's going to be a diplomatic end to it. There's going to be a roundtable discussion and all that. You know, I agree with that. I, I both parties are aware of that fact, so I, I think I agree completely. With that. Now, the next question I'm asking you guys is why why is Putin risking the war? Because right now, the way I see it, now Microsoft is. Spending all sales, uh, the Russia economy is grounded. Russia doesn't have access to about uh, access to about six hundred billion worth of foreign reserve. They are grounded economically. Things are looking. They're long queues by Russian ATM. Some kind of withdraw money, Mastercard, Visa. They've all grounded Russia. I, I mean, it's not looking good. There's no way to speak. It's not looking good. I mean. Countries like Sweden and Germany that have been neutral in the past, even Switzerland, they are sanctioned, sanctioning Russia. Uh, a, a Chinese bank yesterday sanctioned them. A Chinese bank based in Singapore stop all projects in Russia. But Belarus today said their soldiers are never going to go to Ukraine because they are going to feel the pinch because they, they are also on a lot of sanctions already. So why is Putin risking all this? Why is he risking? Is it worth it? Let me start with Femi. I believe that um, Putin has tried everything that he wants to try to live up the dream that he has. Like Peter said, number one, he wants to restore the old Soviet Union, uh, which I don't think would ever happen again. And secondly, he has tried to destabilize democracy all over the world, both in the uh, in Western Europe, America, and uh, maybe even Canada and he has tried to break that nato alliance everything he has tried has failed now coming back home um trying it's his immediate environment you know like you know ukraine uh, belarus kazakhstan and all those places uh he's trying to keep that you know that's kind of the, the kind of government or the kind of ideology that they have that you know opposes uh the democracy in the western world is trying to install that around his neighbors but that's already failing with this young uh, president uh, in ukraine and russians are watching already also in belarus people are already protesting you know the you know that noise of democracy the same kind of noise and protests that you know ended the cold war is already starting again so that is already coming home he has tried everything to stop that nothing has uh, uh, nothing has happened you know 
is democracy is coming closer and closer to him so and you know every tyrant has their expiry date and i'm sure that he already sees that his own expiry date is drawing closer so he's just this i i believe this is the last card he has to play this is the last game he has to play perfect yeah i think i agree i agree with femi on that i think i i think you know uh i i think the end game i think has a lot to do with a lot of things happening even in america honestly mm-hmm. think i think there are a lot of investigation going on we don't know about i think a lot of fingers are pointing to him i think uh i think it's, it's looking like man i have to cause trouble you know yeah. if i don't do it then i'm i'm screwed or something something within that scope Pete, do you agree with us I do. Uh, generally, I agree. I I took some time and I've done some thinking on this, and I could come up with uh, many reasons why this is, seems to be a perfect time for him to risk war. I was initially people asked me um, weeks ago, maybe months ago, do you think Russia would invade? I I actually thought no. Because not because he he has shown his hand before, right? He invaded Crimea, but Crimea has um, had a different kind of slightly different history from um, mainland, for for lack of a better term, mainland um, uh, Ukraine. Okay. Another thing too we should point out to your audience is Ukraine happens to be the largest landmass country in Europe. Russia is yeah, huge. Russia right. straddles. Um, um, two different continents. And I say that because it's important for us to understand the scope of this kind of invasion and the, and, and the ramifications of its um, uh, what happens, right? Um, things that can happen, things the, the, the amount of destabilization that happens from invading the largest landmass in, 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 uh, in, in mm-hmm. Europe. Mm-hmm. There's, there are four things I think that led to his calculation. Um, number one, I really do believe that Russia views uh, any eastward movement of the West towards its border, right, of Ukraine as an existential tr- threat to, to Russia. That's number one. Number two, I think he's always, because of the environment that we're in right after COVID, oil prices are spiking, right? Even before the invasion. Um, he views that as favorable because that's their biggest uh, uh, export, right? Number three, I think he absolutely has been looking for an opportunity to test NATO, right? Um, and that piggybacks to the fourth point, I think that he made this calculation. Over the years, and not to say America hasn't done this as well, right? Because influence is like energy; it flows both ways. He is, he, but he is starting to see. He is starting to see the fruit of his misinformation campaign in the West. Yep. I don't think that Americans have ever been this divided in modern times. I think we've had deep divisions, civil. Civil War, Revolutionary War, believe it or not, not all Americans were for the breakup with England. Um, Civil War, Reconstruction, um, uh, Jim Crow. So America has had a divided history as well. But in this modern day era, where we we seem to be 
not speaking from the same set of facts. Um, you have um, news um, uh, anchors that have been openly touting uh, favorability towards Russia um, all through the West. And that's in- impacting places like Nigeria too, right? We speak to a lot of Nigerians and they'll tell you, well, the U.S., the U.S. don't do the same thing before now. Mm-hmm. Why? Doesn't Russia have a point? And he knows that. He also is a master of propaganda, just like the U.S. is a master of propaganda. But it goes back to the question I asked earlier. We, in this day and age, have to make a determination. We have to make a choice. The choice is in between uh, perfect or good and evil or perfect or imperfect. It's all an imperfect choice. But which one has an arc towards justice? Which one has more say? Which one would you have more say in? Russia has never had a history of um, democratizing decision-making, right? They've always been a one type of state. The West has been trending towards um, more people influence, right? You can see the Republicans and, Dem- and Democrats can argue amongst themselves in public, even talk about national security issues. Sometimes I cringe. Um, people openly calling for the U.S. to put boots on the ground or to openly supply weapons. I don't think those things belong in a public discourse sphere, right? But it happens in an open society. And we're happy for that. We want that. But that's a threat to Russia. Because just like the, what was that? The, the uprising in the Middle East, right? That overthrew- The Arab uh, Spring. Mm-hmm. Arab the Arab Spring. Spring. Uh, that impacted Egypt, Tunisia, uh, Libya, et cetera, et cetera. See, dem- democracy is a very pesky thing. Turns out that when you give people a little bit of power, they actually take agency, right? They would mm-hmm. actually- use it and that's scary to the people who think for thousands of years because believe it or, believe me you these are the same families that have been running the world for hundreds of years absolutely power, right and so um i do think that he views it as a threat um oil prices favor russia Testing of NATO is never a bad idea for for a, a, a person like. Okay, Putin. let me let me let me just come in there quickly. Yeah, I'm going back to you, Peter. I'm staying with you. Now, mm-hmm. I agree with you 100 that we have two options here. Now, they both have their. I mean, one option is outrightly bad. We all know that. Yes. Uh, Western option, yes, he has his pitfalls and all that. But what I tell people is, look. They have immigration, they have capitalism, they have this, they have that. You don't get that anywhere else. You understand? You don't get that anywhere else. So whatever shortcomings they have, whether you call it colonialism or what have you, it's what you make of it. That's my opinion. Yes. Now, good. But having said all this, you know, I know Putin was expecting some cracks in the alliance, EU and Mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. He's been disappointed, clearly. Now, I know... I know this thing is going to go on for maybe another three. I think so. That's my own calculation. I might be wrong. But my question to you guys, and I'm starting with you, Pete. Do you think the alliance will hold? NATO alliance, yeah. Western alliance, do you think it will hold? 
Uh, my simple answer to that is 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 yes for now because threat has a funny way of bringing people together. Um, I think he is miscalculated. I think even Germany, Germany has always practiced a diplomatic um, policy or a model of integration. Right? If I trade with you, that's why they wanted the the, uh, the pipeline, right? Yeah, North Stream uh, pipeline. Um, they they think that integration actually avoids conflict and that's really that's that's held relatively well um in the last 70 years i think that um the, another thing we have to just, the thing that makes that gives me pause is uh turkey and hungary mm. hungary has a totalitarian in charge of it right now Right, NATO accepted Hungary, um, but they've they've since trended uh, towards um, dictatorship, right, and not necessarily abiding by that rule of law and democracy. However, so far, it's never been disunited ever in NATO history, from what I see. Right, and going back to your point about how long the war will last. I actually see a minute a military strategy here. The longer it lasts, the more chances you have of subverting an insurgency. Right? Slow burn. The beat them down, long take a long time to beat them down, which degrades the ability to resist in the future. So I think that's part of Russia's uh strategy. Strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what, what happens to the Russian economy while all this? that's their strategy because i mean i'm not an economist but the little i've read in in a month's time the russian economy will be nothing to write home about russia and uh uh i did i served with russian uh soldiers uh, nato missions in uh, kosovo um i never found them to be i hope this doesn't go this recording doesn't go to russia i don't want to be hunted down but uh (laughs) they haven't been the, the best uh soldiers not necessarily their soldiering skills what right russia russia doesn't have a lot as it used to right the cold war it takes a lot for you to break up an empire it really just comes down to money um you you've heard reports of russian soldiers running out of food ammo uh running out of gas um being bribed with bitcoin online um this is what Femi, we had this conversation. I, you know, offline, yeah. I was telling yeah. him like, ah, never really always been impressed with them, right? They, 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 they don't really have a lot of support. So there is that to account to. Going back to your wise putting risk in war, I think Femi alluded to this too. He is sixty nine years old. Take that for what it's worth. For a man who thinks that he is uh, uh, governed by destiny, right? How many more years does he truly have? Second second point, has he ever cared about his people? Do totalitarian governments truly... See, dem- democratic governments, they might not necessarily care. They're not, they, you know, they might not necessarily be in, inclined towards altruism, right? Or some kind of utopia. But at least there are checks and balances, right? That reminds them, hey, you can lose the election. Um... There's a check, there's an accountability. But who is going to hold Putin accountable when his economy comes crashing down? 
the six hundred and fifty billion dollars you talked about from a financial standpoint, just to just to uh, hit on that point, is of the foreign reserves, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah. with that the evaluation through inflation of the ruble, right? That actually devalues that six hundred and fifty billion that he thinks he has in his war chest. But he has money parked around the world. At the end of the day, and just like me and Femi talked offline. Um, sanctions. I think this is where we need to talk about sanctions, right? Whether the NATO lines will hold and everything going on. People forget that sanctions are not preventative. They're not meant from a diplomatic st- standpoint. And we should know this. Sanctions are not meant to be preventative. You know how people say you should have, Biden should have. A long time ago. Mm-hmm. Sanctions yeah. as a diplomatic tool is punitive by its very nature, right? You did it, and so I'm going to sanction you. You don't sanction somebody and drive and corner that rat to the or that snake to the corner where it has to bite back, right? So this will probably end up being, I think the one of the the outcomes can be so much pressure put on the oligarchs that oligarchy that actually have all the money and influence within Russia and they can influence Putin one way or another, right? Influence can either be active or passive influence. So there's always that. Wow, interesting. I like that. But Femi, I'm, I'm going to you now. Do you think NATO will absorb new members? Right now, I know Ukraine has asked to be a member. Moldova just did the same. I think Serbia, mm. Montenegro. I mean, the last week, maybe about six countries. So... yeah. I mean, from where you're looking at it, do you think, based on what uh, Peter has all just said, that you know everybody is playing safe, nobody really wants an end-on coalition. Yes. You know, it doesn't mean Russia can be dealt with directly or indirectly, but I mean, like I think, my opinion on this is that trade is going to take a lot of heat. They are taking a lot of heat. There'll be a lot of casualties. But let me put it this way: Do you think NATO will absorb new members? What do you think? Um, at the moment, I, it, it might change later. I think the last uh, absorption was uh, North Macedonia um, in 2020. I think I can't. I, I think something like that. But right now, because of everything that is going on, I don't think they they would want to consider absorbing any new members that are you know that are eastward, right? But eventually, they might still they might still do it. Eventually, they will. That, Pete, that's, what do you that's think? I think that for NATO to survive, it cannot preclude itself from um, um, accepting new members. Um, it is an open society, yeah. And if your if one of your mantras is to is democracy, right, and rule of law, um, then there's always that possibility. I don't think you can't hold a gun to a person's head and make demands not to. Um, giants like this right uh, another thing is there is there are requirements to join nato nato is not nato is a defensive force not an offensive force yeah it's and never that's... been offensive so um if you understand that by its very nature nato is not looking to bring in members that's going to necessarily draw it into war so they will be very very cautious i i know that um, Germany and any membership has to be unanimous. 
and there's, there seems to be unanimity right now within NATO, but that's that's not that's not going to last very long because everyone has their own foreign policy um, priorities, right? But Putin's demand for absolute um, refusal of NATO to actually accept any members um, east of uh, where it currently lies, really, really east of Poland, right? is untenable to me um there is there are off ramps that the west has offered him believe it or not we can't do that we can't we can't deny membership if they meet the requirements and if it's uh, democratically um asked for by the country right Mm -hmm. however i think there is a diplomatic solution a potential i should say for saying well, you can be a member, but we're not going to station offensive weapons in in those in those countries, right? Um, I remember when I was in Poland, um, there was a huge debate of the Iron Dome, right? Stationing it in Poland. That was a big issue back then. But yeah, the that, Polish, that was dark, George Bush. That was uh, that was Bush. Yes, that was Bush. Um, Yes, that was Bush. Eventually, we we got it in there. Um, the Polish thing we, we took a little bit too long, but sometimes you know you have to weigh these things. You don't you don't necessarily want to offend um, Russia, just like the United States. Yeah, exactly, you don't want to offend your neighbor. That is that should be the guiding principle here, right? Um, so I think that, that there's a way to um, necessarily. There's, there's also different tiers of, of NATO membership, by the way, right? There is a, I forget what it's called now, the framework, but there's um, kind of like <clears throat> you you note that you want to join NATO and they, they put you in a consideration box type. That's where Ukraine kind of was up to this moment, this conflict. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe putting weapons in those states... Um, I don't think that that uh, Russia would accept that. So, um, I, I guess to answer your question, uh, this, your questions are very, very good. But uh, by its very nature, um, they don't necessarily have a, a, a full answer. We just really have opinions. But it's 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 anybody's guess. I don't think. But I would also just state what the principles are. Right? It's an it's a defensive. NATO is a defensive alliance, and I don't see why. It, why it will be in NATO's interest to accept members um, that are bringing problems into NATO. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'll just add to what you're saying. Two things I'll say. First thing, I think you said something about Turkey and Hungary. I don't think Hungary will will think twice about fighting the West. I I don't think there's strong consideration. I don't think that there's so much at stake for their country economically. Because... uh, Economically speaking, you know, I've always told people that China is, is important today because China has a lot to offer the world economically and all that. Russia does not have that same as, as China. Apart from that oil and a little bit of this and that noise making power, they don't really have anything to offer the world in general. That's one. Turkey, I think Turkey is going to stay with the West. I think they are the most strategically positioned country in that. Yes. Afrobeat, Afrobeat. 
know the American Air Base is at Insulik, Turkey, and they have very best of American Air Force equipment are there. You know, they even when they were attacking Saddam Hussein in the first Gulf War, you know, a lot of the planes that flew to Iraq came from Insulik, Turkey. So, and Turkey currently has blocked the, the Danube, the Bosphorus, and all that to stop ships from coming in. So, my point is that I think the alliance will hold. I also think that China is weighing its economic gains and potentials too, because America is uh, China's biggest number one trading partner. So, for China to flourish, they need stability too, you know. No matter how much on the ground windows and encouragement China might be giving Russia, all these mm. things don't work well for China too. You understand? China mm. needs a world that is stable. Nobody, nobody wants, nobody wants all this stuff going on. Currently, you know, the Iran and Saudi Arabia—they're about to have peace. Bahrain, uh, Israel, everybody is talking, you know, and uh, <laughs> everybody wants prosperity. You know, everybody yeah. knows the implication of a nuclear nuclear weapon. So I I, th- I think that NATO will absorb US because I suspect that Putin will make a mistake. You know, there's this story that goes around about the Second World War that uh, the British knew they were going to lose to Hitler, so they painted some planes in Japanese color and attacked Pearl Harbor. I mean, I know it's not true, nobody can verify it. So that war brought America into that war, you understand? So I do think that Somebody, well, we've had reports of uh, Russian planes violating Swedish airspace. We've had reports of such uh, Russian planes violating one or two other countries. So I do think the lack, of, the lack of discipline in the Russian army, there will be a mistake somewhere along the line that is going to bring everybody into this one way or the other. Because Putin is showing desperation. The war is not going well with the infantry guys and the army. They're just killing civilians and I don't know. So it's just my guess. It's like you said, like Pete said, nothing we stay here is cast and stone. It's just our hope. Okay, the final one, you know, will this lead to the end of the stronghold of Russia? Let me start with Femi. You think this is the end? I think the short answer to that, we can already see that um, at the end of this, Russia will be weaker and the rest of the world will be stronger. You know, I was telling... <laughs> I think I was telling somebody this week that um, at the end of this whole invasion, even Ogbomosho might be stronger than Russia. I was, that was just a joke. But... <laughs> that was just a joke. That was just, just a joke. But it's, but... It's, it's, it's looking like reality. You know? <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's what it looks like to me. Um, uh, like I said before, uh, tyranny has its expiry date and um, Putin is running his last lap. So, However, this uh, whole invasion goal, whether there's a diplomatic solution uh, solution or resolution to it or not, at the end of this all, I think Putin will be weaker and Russia will be weaker. So, um, and that that dream, that dream of, you know, or that, that thing he's been trying to do to uh, undermine democracy within his neighborhood, that would uh, uh, make... At the end, Ukraine, that democracy in Ukraine and the protest and protesting the oligarchs and protesting all the style of government is going to filter into Russia and is going to have more internal problems than is, uh, he already has now. So I think uh, um, the beginning of the end is the beginning <laughs> of the end for Putin. Yeah. All right. Pete, what do you think? Um, well, the guess is anyone's to make. I would only say that. When you when you seize a man's multi-million dollar yacht, 
he has a different calculation now. So there have been stories of, I mean, Ibrahimovic, right? Roman, the owner of Chelsea, is selling uh, Chelsea. I think um, already they plan to make an announcement any moment from now. Yeah, I don't know how quick of a sale it would be because they have to entangle, detangle um, uh, ownership structures, et cetera, et cetera. But for all intent and purposes, he's made that declaration because at the very moment, it's not very fashionable to be Russian. We can all see it, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. However, we should caution ourselves that we are also consuming Western media. Mm. Um, Putin has a... It, a very insulated media structure within Russia. So only God knows what kind of propaganda is being pumped to the Russians. Um, sanctions are, it's clear that sanctions are making a huge headway. Um, I think I, I would, me and Femi, we talked about this also last week or two weeks ago that uh, the solution might be a final one for him. When I mean final, um, you can read in, in between the lines with that. But um, and and it, and it's coming, and it will come from within, or the yeah. potential of it coming from within. The answer here is a maybe. Sometimes war has a way of either strengthening a leader's hold, power hold, or weakening it. Right. Um, one of the things that led to I like to give historical context to all of these things. One of the things that led to the rise of Hitler was the humiliation that Germany, the perceived humiliation that Germany uh, uh, had to absorb after World War One. One, yeah, and it made the Germans even more fierce and determined to never again repeat that. Now, the, the Germans in modern day after World War Two have totally. Re- treated that's why they were always the number one um barking against uh sanctions prior to this right they've always believed in integration the german military i mean i was stationed in germany for five years seems like but um german military um they are solid but they're not a lot of them um they've heavily demilitarized their society um, so that that also happened. So you can see how World War One caused a retractment to consolidate power, right? Hmm. And then World War Two made a whole society to actually reassess itself and demilitarize its ambition, right? What is the difference between both? It goes back to what I spoke about earlier. In all of this never be a shameless winner, right? You always want to give great powers the ramp to come down. And I'm hoping that any resolution, diplomatic or otherwise, that happens from this um, gives the losing party um, a sweet off-ramp to actually talk themselves down where they save face in front of the world um, Etc. Because um, a power vacuum. Nobody wants a power vacuum, and it's very. It seems to me, from my study, that um, it's very imminent. Uh, we don't know what will replace Putin. Yeah. 
So true. We got to be okay. very, very mindful of that going forward. All right, great. I like your both of you have been awesome. I love your empirical analysis, but my view is uh, they are slightly different. Uh, I think one. I think America has learned a lot of lesson, especially from the second Gulf War, going to Iraq, Afghanistan, and what have you. I mean, with your background, you know that when America first went to Afghanistan, they went with the special forces guys, the thirteen guys, the guys they call the uh, the conquerors of Tora Bora. So now clearly. By the time they put boots on the ground, you know everybody knows the Russians, the Mongols, the Americans knows that there's really no solution to guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, so I'm thinking now. This is my personal opinion. That now America's pulled out of almost everywhere. It's fighting. They look at it. Afghanistan, we out, Iraq, and all that. And the Western. Because 9/11 overstretched the American resources too. You know, America put so much into the Middle East. Absolutely. A lot, yeah, and we all, we all, well, students of what happened, and you know, by by the time they were in Afghanistan, they were doing a good job. By the time they went to Iraq, one of the failures of Afghanistan was that they pulled a lot of very important resources out of Afghanistan into into Iraq, you know, and they have nothing good to show from the two. So I think now that CIA, some smart guys over there, okay, let's pull out of all these places. We can always direct this thing indirectly. Taliban's are majorly Pashtun. They are the largest ethnic group. Let's give them power. They probably will not do anything. With them. Let's leave them and we can control them. We straffle them. We don't give them too much. So we all know that every war we have fought, Russia will come in and empower the people killing us, you know? So I think they are using that script against the Russians. Now, in my own opinion, I might be wrong. I think. Yeah, I actually nudged Russia to go to Ukraine. I might be wrong. I'm just thinking, you know, that, okay, let's stay out of all the hotspots. Let's put these Russians, let them go inside there, and we teach them how it's done. Because I'm, I've read today that the American military is saying they are sharing intelligence with Ukrainians in real time. You understand? Which is which is a lot. You understand? And they are saying they've killed over 6,000. The Ukrainians said they've killed over 6,000 soldiers. The Americans are saying they've killed over 4,000, which by any standard is a lot. So I think that they notched them on, and uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. I am giving Putin a year. That's my personal opinion. I'm giving him a year. Peter gave two. <laughs> <laughs> I know people probably even don't want to be a family, you know, he's trying to play, he doesn't want to sit on it. I think it's it's not just the beginning of the end, I think it's, it's the end. I think now we have once we prepare martial law, one of the of the Western system, you know, at the institutions, that there, there, there is no, of all the civilization, Roman Empire, to the days of Genghis Khan, and what have you, there is no structure as beautiful as what the West has to offer, despite all the shortcomings. So, you 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 still you still put people in the UK, right back and abuse the Queen, abuse the Prime Minister. You don't do that in Russia, you don't do that in China. You understand? You know, there was a time I was reading about guys in Spain when George Bennett was there. I think mm-hmm. the guy was from Duras uh, or something like that. The number three guy was from El Salvador. The number five guy was a black guy. You know, those mm-hmm. things dynamics you, you cannot write them off. so I, i'll give him a year i think like biden said that he's going to regret what they are not going to stop him from fighting in game but they're going to and i don't think 
honestly that Russia has China, I think I'm that as well any country but Russia no in trade alone so Russia Russia is not even top top 20 in America among all the trading partners they the talk you talk about the world Turkey has a better military than Italy and France you understand so mm-hmm. it, uh, it's it's a lose lose for him he's going to lose a lot of support those mm-hmm. oligarchs panicking and like you both said something might happen for him we don't know how we don't know when but it's, it's almost impossible to sustain it. What he has running for him is that he's going to calm down the media, the people who know what's happening, they can't get yeah. the way they want, we're not going to know what's up and all that. Yeah, big deal. But I'm telling you, from the little I know, I know that Zelensky is in very good hands. I know he's in very good hands. I know there's a lot of Western propaganda going on too. Yeah. Remember in Afghanistan, by the time they took over and made Kazai president, those 13 special forces guys are, that led the onslaught with Abdurashid Dostum and the rest, they were the guys protecting Kazai, and Kazai escaped a lot of assassination attempts. So that's why all the things I think the West is saying, they do have guys on the ground that even if they die or get caught, they won't be called Western. With all these javelins coming in from here and there. But I think it's, it's, it's all over for so, so guys, we're gonna call it a wrap. We've had oh, me, Akiboy, great guy, Pete Agidigbi, fantastic guy. Guys, it does it does look like we have to do this maybe in two weeks' time. You know, yes. just a lot will have happened. We're not gonna say next week. Let's give it another 14 days. I know a lot will have happened between now and then. I did. Yeah. Discuss, yeah. So guys, uh, thank you. Thank you to our listeners. You've done a lot of justice, you know. We spend more than our usual time because you guys have added a lot of value perspective to build. There's still a lot of diplomacy. It's historically in perspective. But the 92 percent Ukrainians in 1992 said uh, 91 rather said they wanted to be an independent country. It baffles me today that despite all the refugees, over a million refugees, nobody is going east toward Russia. Everybody's going west. So this clearly shows that Russia's uh, narrative is not working and i have to give it to president Biden. i think so thank you guys for joining atlanta discourse we're going to call you back most likely in two weeks time to see how far thank you to our listeners please call it a day next week another very juicy talk thank you guys for joining us thank you you're welcome man look forward to having you again bye bye